Bonjour and welcome to Feminist Friday, your weekly dose of empowerment and gender equality on Energy Groove Radio. As always, I'm recording live from Paris and joined by my co-host and producer wizard Brad Duntz in the Sydney studio. And today, from the Big Apple, New York itself, we have uh, Vanessa Triz who is a gender equality advocate and the president of Seroptimist International in Metro New York. Seroptimist uh, is an organisation that works across eight UN centres to ensure that the voices of women and girls are heard. Vanessa is also a Seroptimist International uh, representative to the UN. So our first track today is a little guilty pleasure of mine. It is Toxic by Britney Spears. And yes, I do have a reason for playing this. Firstly, a new remix has been released. It's called the Y2K and Alexander Lewis remix. And secondly, I think toxic things that women face around the world, are, you know, it, issues that we continue to tackle but we certainly can and people like Vanessa will demonstrate that we can do so so yeah enjoy Brittany yay Vanessa, welcome to Hashtag Feminist Fridays. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's a little late in New York, but if it's any consolation, it's a little early in Paris. So, (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, so I've just introduced you and talked about your role as president of Seroptimist International and that you're a gender equality advocate and you actually wear a number of different hats and have quite varied experience working with the UN. Can you tell us about your various current roles um, 
including working as a UN representative. But also, where did it all start and when did you first realise that you wanted to work towards gender equality? And was was there a reason why? Sure, Sarah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me in your program. Um, and a small correction, I am president of the chapter of Sarah Optimus International Chapter Metro New York. Um, no president of the whole uh, organization. And yeah, I have different uh, roles. One of them, I am a representative um, for Sarah Optimus International uh, to the United Nations. And mm -hmm. in that level, I work on global frameworks and global policies and global issues related to gender equality. Um, and at the local level, I'm president of the Sir Optimus International Metro New York chapter, uh, okay. where the work is more at the local level, grassroots levels, and we, um, work uh, to better the lives of women in our community. And we have programs such as um, educational uh, grants or uh, training on um, different um, leadership programs. We support women's shelters with drives um, and work like that. And I also the founder of a a new project called um, the, the Embroidery Project, which is a program that supports women in South America, um, women artisan and entrepreneur, and um, the work goes towards um, women in, in Latin America. That all sounds amazing, and, and thank you for correcting your role. Um, so before I ask you a little bit more about your leadership role um, at Sir Optimist in New York Metro, I just wanted to ask if you could tell us briefly about Sir Optimist International's fascinating history, because I've done some reading up and I found out it was first founded in 1921 um, in California and then has spread to have membership across Europe including during World War II, in which the Vienna Club helped to rescue women threatened by the Nazi regime. Um, can you tell us a bit about how the organisation evolved and spread internationally, especially before the days of social media? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, well, I wasn't alive on the time, but yes, uh, sort of to me it started um, almost a hundred years ago, and it was uh, formed with a mission of women supporting women. And as you mentioned, it started in 1921 in California, and it's been big in the United States. And um, it's a global volunteer movement. So it's a membership organization where women get together in their communities, they form chapters, and they do work in their own communities. So now 
we have different federations. We have the federations in America and Europe and Southwest Pacific and a new federation in Africa. There are um, over 72,000 members in wow. 122 countries right now. Yeah. That's incredible. It's a big network. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I would love to find out more about how to join, but maybe you can tell us that later. Um, so what uh, and when did you take on your leadership role in New York? And I think you moved over from the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. How has the organisation or your role in New York been received? Have you faced any different opportunities or challenges with the women that you work with compared to the UK? Sure. Um, well, I started at Soros uh in 2017. And at that time, I was involved with the UN, the UN Women's Major Group, and the Commission on Status of Women. And um, I have represented other two organizations at the UN, and I have, in, I have been involved in, in, in these forums and, and the high-level political forum. Um, so in 2017, um, I knew someone from the UN Women's Major Group, and the opportunity came to me to be one of the team. We are five UN reps. For in New York for Sir Optimist. And um, they were looking for someone with experience and knowledge about the UN and, and the gender global policies and the two forums that I just mentioned, the Commission of Status of Women and the High Level Political Forum. So yes. yeah, it's been great. And um, the work has been incredible, incredibly rewarding. And um, it's been received very well. I mean, Sir Optimist, um, has a lot of members in in America, so every time we have the Commission Status of Women, which is in March every year, we have about fifty or sixty um, uh, delegates from Sir Optimists coming from different parts from America or even other countries uh, for this forum and to bring their voices and their challenges and their their um, relevant issues in terms of gender equality at their, in, their, in, their, in their home country. That's fantastic and it's so important to advocate and represent the voices of the women that you're working with on such an international stage. Um, so have you, you have worked in a number of roles as a representative to the UN so as someone who aspires to do the same, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to work with the UN and any tips on getting your foot in the door and what to expect and any challenges or things that working with the UN representative should be prepared for? Well, I would say um First tip would be to get involved. And um, there are many channels that the work at, um, at the UN could be a partner and share. So if um, there is someone interested on gender equality and the UN work, 
from the civil society perspective. And mm -hmm. um, the first step would be to be involved in, as a member of any group supporting these issues. And after that, um, the, the person could uh, join as an organization or even as an individual to working group as a group, group some of the working groups at the UN, like the UN Women's Mayor Group, or other mm -hmm. major groups. Um, even the organization could um, ask for a COSOC accreditation, and then they will be having um, access to the forums and being able to attend and the documents. Um, working within the UN complex, there is some, mm -hmm. um, always the need for information, data, and bringing the relevant and emerging issues. So they constantly are asking for these reports and they're asking for this information to civil society. And um, my second advice will be to work in partnership and yes, the more the merry. And yeah. so networking and working with other organizations um, is definitely useful and collecting data, facts and information that could be useful to bring the voices and issues of um, women and girls around the world. Noted. So <laughs> I've jotted those tips down for sure. So we are actually both members of the uh, Beijing Plus 25 25 group or committee um, which is uh, running a campaign called Generation Equality to celebrate 25 years since the Beijing Platform for Action um, but also look at some of the issues that still need to be addressed or maybe many of the issues. Um, I just wanted to ask what's your involvement in the campaign and are you doing any specific thematic work or are you a member of other groups within the committee? Because I think it's an, it's very, it's quite a big group now. Yeah. It's yes, it's, it's growing for hundreds and hundreds every month, I yeah. think. Uh, I, I don't know how many members are now, but I think that's good. And that shows that um, uh women uh, and women's movements is definitely mobilizing people and and people are interested on these issues and yeah i think i think it's great and in terms of what are we doing for beijing plus 25 i think it's important mm -hmm. to remember that 2020 is an, it's a very important year um, and four years ago, we had the convention for women and um, where, again, we review Beijing's platform for action. And not many people knows about this uh, policy, but really it uh, shapes the, the women human rights. So what are we doing in Seroptimist to align with this platform is um, our new president, um, the president elected from 2020 and 2021, has mm -hmm. um, underlined um, the, 
her new um, strategy work for the next two years. Every president rotate um, uh, every two years, and he has done it in a way that is um, supporting implementation of some of the critical areas of concern of Beijing platform of action, which are um, women and health, violence against women, and the girl child. So our strategy are going to support um, a lot of work regarding ending child marriage, um, ending okay. FGM, um, also trafficking, and violence against women. Okay. And the the work and the mission will be going and working around these issues. We also um, advocate for CEDA and we yeah. um, we, um, we 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 make a lot of we campaign for uh, cities to join CEDA and of course goal five from the um the sustainable development goals and they are all correlated and these platforms overlap in many ways mm -hmm. um but it's, it's important to 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 learn about them and to know them yeah and and just for our listeners who might be um tuning in and, and are not sure about cedar can you just explain what that is what CEDA uh, is the convention um, that basically underline women's human rights is yes. uh, legally bind, which, um, for example, Beijing Platform for Action or the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, are no legally bind, <clears throat> but CEDA it is. So yes. what it does is um, underline <clears throat> what governments, um, policies and laws should be around um, women rights and gender equality. And yes, some cities exactly. are part of it and some cities are not. Right. Uh, Australia, I know, <laughs> is a signatory to CEDAW. So, um, yeah. yeah. But New York is not. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, as you've basically just said, uh, despite many of the admirable goals out in the Beijing platform for 25, uh, action for, for 25 years ago, gender inequality is something that continues on many levels worldwide. Um. You've just touched on things like gender-based violence and low representation in leadership roles, rep repression of reproductive rights, unequal economic opportunities, to name just a few examples. Um, if you could choose one major shift uh, towards the balance, uh, to balance the power of, to balance gender equality worldwide, what would it be? Yeah, um, well, I think, um, in my opinion, um, our social norms and binary stereotypes of what it means to be a woman and men are not always yeah. uh, very um, helpful. So mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of toxic masculinity 
that is mm. really harmful for communities and women and perpetuates violence against women. Um, mm. If I could change one thing, it would be uh, those social norms, which is probably the most difficult thing to do because it's, uh, you know, culture and uh, but people's bike backgrounds and the way um, we grow up in our societies. But when we uh, tell our boys, our young boys, uh, not to cry or not to express their feelings or um, things like that, well, we we are teaching them something. So, um, so that is definitely something i will change in 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 the mentality and and and, and in our community yeah you know what i completely agree with you i think it's so so important for i guess things like gender norms people's awareness of women's rights um and education is really critical to achieving gender equality um so Great point there. Thank yeah, you. and also, we what are, what are we teaching, right? If we tell yeah. a boy, don't cry like a girl, what are we teaching boys and girls what it means to be a girl? Mm. That it means to be less, less value. Um, so I think that that is very, very important. And we receive information from our family, our communities, our teachers, our friends, our peers. And if, if it's, it's probably the hardest things to change is the social norms. Yes. I mean, it's hard, but it is also possible. And that's why people like you and I are working together as part of this yeah. International Generation Equality Campaign to, to shift that balance. So I, also... I, I, I just wanted to say one of the big challenges is to um, have men within the conver this conversation. And um, yeah. we usually we're talking among women and mm -hmm. and we I think we're missing a big part, which is um, having men in the conversation. And I think this also affects them. And yeah. It it doesn't. There, I think they're also no free, right? Like it, I think our freedom also means their freedom and being free to 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 have feelings and and to have being able to show something that is in real masculinity and um, and it's been kind of cut off by our society. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I completely agree with your point. I think it's so important when we are talking about um, women's rights, gender equality, to try and include men as much as possible because many men are supportive, many men are also feminists. So that's certainly, it's it's something I think we could be doing more and it's, but it's also very possible and Brad is in the background there, and he's a part of this. So, yeah, um, it's, I am. Yes, know, <laughs> the more Great. the more the more guys like Brad, the better. So it's been Aww. amazing. <laughs> well, 
you're such a great supporter of Feminist Fridays. So, um, so Vanessa, I wanted to ask if you don't mind, as a mother of two, as a parent, how do you talk to your children about gender equality if if you do this? Um, yes. And if so, at what age do you think we should be educating young people about this issue? Well, I think it should be from day one, um, from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not only about what we tell them, but also about what they see us to do. And the example, and when they see their parents, either female or male, doing domestic chores and also working, and they the the binary norms um, mm-hmm. are less um, rigid. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think we grow up in families, and our parents model the role. And, and and that's very important. And now talking with them is also, of course, very important, but also listening to them and allow them, allow them to, um, to be them, to, to have feelings. I have a boy and a girl. And Great. yeah, and you could uh, clearly see the difference and they have the same mom, but of course, information and that their lives and their mind is influenced by social media, school, college, peers, everything. Mm. And um, uh, I see how with girls, we constantly have to tell them, you know, speak up. If, if, you, if you have something to say, say it. And with boys, oh, in my case, I, with, with my son, it's like, please, give her a time like sometimes it's more important to listen um yeah so um i think it's brilliant yeah talking about gender equality and things like simple things like we are all equal we are all mm. have the same human rights um exactly. you as a boy or you as a girl you could do anything my son wanted to paint his nails he can paint his nails i don't mind um oh. can wear the skirt he can wear a skirt like it's it, it, and when he was two, he will do it. Now he's like, now he is older, and um, then he, you know, they after three, they start finding their 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 role in society and what is right and what they should and they shouldn't. So mm. uh, I remember when he was one or two, he will wear my daughter's, um, you know, the dress up outfits, and I will never say. Oh no, you can't do it because you're a boy, or you could, you shouldn't do this or that. So, um, I think that freedom and let them be them is 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 very important. I I think that it's I it is so important to start talking about gender equality at the home, in home with families, um, but also you know in other places like educational institutions in workplaces but I also just wanted to add as someone who paints their nails on a regular basis go your son so it's fantastic <laughs> well he 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 did it because he saw his sister right 
And right. of course, when he was got older, three, four, then he realized, ah, oh, well, boys are not doing it, so I'm gonna stop. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, he used to have a teacher, uh, a male teacher that he would paint his nails on, and I was like, okay, good, that's that's a good model. Like, why not? It doesn't have to be black and white. No, it's absolutely, and everyone can paint their nails. That's also a human right. um lastly before we wrap up I just wanted to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find out more about your work and show support for what you're doing um, and potentially get involved if they would like to and if there's anything that you're working on or just want to plug your website projects or how people can follow you on social media please tell us <laughs> sure well um people could visit the sorotmissinternational.org uh, website and they can mm-hmm. find my blogs and read my blogs there and also see what um are we doing and what are we working on advocacy um mm-hmm. if you are in the americas North America or South America and you want to become a member, you could um, look into the Sir Optimist International of America's website and become a member um, and follow the steps. Uh, you, you, it's very easy. You could um, look at it in the website. I usually, uh, I use my Twitter for work and every time, you know, anything is coming up or the UN are requesting information about something or there is an event and people actually could apply and to attend. Um, I put on my Twitter, which is at Vanessa Triers. Um, so that could be easy. And um, or could even email me to vanessa.trees at soroptimistinternational.org. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Feminist Fridays this week. Um, I hope you have gained an internet uh, in dose of empowerment and gender equality. Um, thank you to our international, our first New York City guest, Vanessa Triers from Soroptimist International. Uh, and I'm going to leave you with a new song by Little Dragon. So it's just been released and it's called Hold On. And so I think this song is a really empowering or motivating thing to listen to because it talks about the importance of just hold on uh, if you're going through anything difficult or if you're working on something as major as gender equality and working with the UN sometimes you just need to hold on and have faith that you'll get there so uh, I hope you enjoy this track hold on Yeah, but you never knew
wish you happy, Miss Joy. Good fortune, boy.